Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, what is going on, people? You know that sound. It is the Unfiltered Band means another episode of Unfiltered coming at you. We are live on a Sunday, noon Eastern time, or wherever you are, and Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcasts. Officially, this will go down as episode 121, and the final edition of October Unfiltered, live here in November, as it's a wrap on the 2022 season. Thank you, Unfiltered Band. You can always wrap up your ways to get involved in the Unfiltered Revolution. Simple, get on Twitter at Casey Stern, jump into the bio, Get on the YouTube channel where you can watch us when we're live. You can get all the videos of all the episodes, all the conversations. You can also get that on the YouTube channel for Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V as well. want to start by thanking all the guests who joined us throughout the course of the last month on October Unfiltered. Had a lot of fun with it. Getting a chance to kind of wrap with you know, former players and managers and uh, folks currently in the game and covering it and all certain you know sorts of different people who were able to hook us up and help us out as we got set for all these different games during the postseason. And what was such a wonderful year in the game of baseball and a wonderful postseason. If you want to chat with us along the way here live, and you're not listening to Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcasts, it's easy. You could do that. Click open the Twitter box and get to me. I'll get your thoughts in. I'll react to you along the way here on a wrap-up show. Also, you can get to me on YouTube or at Believe's channel, B-L-E-A-V as well, and hop in along the way. But thanks to everybody who kind of you know made this possible, including, of course, first and foremost, let's not forget them, our good friends over at Bet Online. Basketball is back. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. Get the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends over at Bet Online. As your continued source for all your sports wagering information, Bet Online's got live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way. Bet your favorite sports and events NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. Head over to betonline.ag, that's betonline.ag, to join. Get your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. It's BetOnline, where the game starts. We get started, and we'll do a lot of uh, looking ahead here on this show, but we'll start by looking back at this series, the season, and the game last night. Kyle Schwarber hits a home run to take the lead in the sixth inning. I'm sitting there, and I waited until then and started to plan the guess for what today's show would have been if we were looking ahead to a Game 7. You wait for that big swing. Wheeler had, you know, obviously with the fatigue and the extra day and all those questions, but he had his A stop, had the A heater. You saw it in 98-99 earlier in the game. You get the big swing from Schwarber. And you're thinking, here go the Phillies again, just finding a way. Even though Framber Valdez was terrific at the time, it already struck out seven, eight guys, and was brilliant. When that home run is hit, you're thinking, if you're a Philly fan, we we just this is that magical ride going to continue? That magic carpet we're riding on in the streets of Philadelphia just going to keep rolling. Then we got to the bottom of the sixth inning. I've talked about for a week and a half. The matchups against Jordan Alvarez and the importance of that. We've talked ad nauseum all year long and during the postseason about how important feel becomes when you get into a spot in a postseason. Now, look, there are two ways to look at this. And just like in most situations in life, it's gray area, not the Fifty Shades kind, the family show, but everywhere else, because never black and white, never easy. Do you trust what got you here? 
And if you react to what you see, is it feel? Is it going with what your eyes are telling you? Or is it panic? And a lot of that based on the result. The result's good, then your feel was great. If it's not good, then you panicked. Talked with Alex Cora on this show about a week ago. If you heard that or you missed it, you should jump back in and listen to it because it became so valuable last night. When I was talking to him about when you covered that in 2018 and you watched the Red Sox, it was one example of many where here's AC at that spot managing the Red Sox. Here's Raphael Devers against lefties. Here's Stephen Pierce on his way to an MVP of World Series against righties. He's supposed to be the guy only facing lefties. But the game and the way things were being told and the stories told right in front of the eyes of a manager, he was changing on the fly. Not panic, but altering because of what was happening in that moment. In the moments for the Philadelphia Phillies that led up to this game, there was reason to be concerned for Wheeler. Reason to be concerned because you had fatigue. Reason to be concerned because your backs are against the wall and you don't have that extra wiggle room of whether or not you put in a Suarez despite the fact he's ready for a Game 7 or what you're going to do, what changes you're going to make. There was no wiggle room when your backs are against the wall and everything's on the line. I get that. I get that. But when you are in a situation... And you are sitting there and you're finding yourself in a spot yesterday where Zach Wheeler is dealing. He's at 70 pitches. You got to lean in from Maldonado. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Look, you can hate it, but that's baseball. And he moved up in the box and he knew, look, a guy was playing with a broken hand. We found out he's doing everything he can. We we knew, you know, he got to find his way on base. And that's what he was doing. And that's okay. I mean, look, you could do it. You may not like it, but you could do it. Certainly not nearly as weird as why the hell was Kyle Schwarber bunting. I mean, basically... Kyle Schwarber, and I love Kyle Schwarber, telling you they took our soul when he's trying to bunt with two strikes against Brian Abreu there in that eighth inning. That game was over already. That's the sign, if you didn't already know it was over, it was over. Despite Presley seeing them then for the fifth time in the, in the last week and a half. But when you've got Wheeler there, you have to be looking at what's in front of you. You can't be looking at anything except that I got that guy, the guy who dragged us on his back and took us here, the guy who was brilliant as an ace all season, the guy who had dominant performances already in the postseason, and reminded you of other spots. Now, look, I'm not going to give you Tyler Anderson, even though he had a great year, and he did. Shouldn't have been out at 86 pitches when Doc, when Dave Roberts took him out in that spot where they went home. Shouldn't have, okay? But the other example of this is Garrett Cole. This was, you know, the same situation where you can't put Trevino in when you know that Garrett Cole, at whatever percentage he was, was going to be better than anybody you had in that pen, and that Yankee pen especially. If you and I said this yesterday on Twitter, and I said this, you know, not revisionist history, not Monday morning quarterback, or Sunday afternoon in this case, but I said, you go to my Twitter, literally, as soon as Wheeler was taken out, you know why this is the raw move? Because you're not looking at what's in front of you. You're not understanding that, yeah, going in, you were worried maybe about Wheeler, but he answered those questions. He showed you he's that wheels that you knew he was going to be, you got to ride that horse because that's the dude who got you there. If you're a pitcher, you lose with your best pitch. If you're a manager, you lose with your best players. It's why Buck Showalter, and one of the, and I love Buck, but one of the worst decisions I've ever covered, I've talked about it when I was doing that. And look, I ripped him in that spot. Then we're sitting there post-game, going back to 2014. He's got Ubaldo Jimenez in. Zach Britton, who finished third in Cy Young, sitting hanging out in the bullpen. You can't do that. Bob Melvin, you can't have three games in a row without Josh Hader in the game. 
You just broke a record striking out eight dudes in a row over whatever, however many appearances, three, I think. You can't have those three days without, you can't do that. You can't do that. And we watch it in so many situations where guys get held and you don't lose with your best player. A pitcher doesn't pitch with his best pitch. And I always equate things, if you listen to me over the last 20 years, with kind of, you know, trying to, and when I say dumb it down, I mean, for all of us, dumbing it down to like kind of things that we see in other walks of life that are on baseball. If you're on Top Chef, a show that I've watched for many years and I love food, you the second the guy says, and, and you're watching the package, he's like, I'm going to cook something in the semifinals or the finals I've never made before. But I feel like this is me going for it. You're gone. That's it. You're out. You go with the best thing you got. When you're a singer at American Idol, you sing the song you know you sing the best. During an audition, you do what you do best. When you are a baseball player, you put forth that foot that is the best foot. That is your foot. You don't change stances. You don't go do any of that stuff. And when you're a manager in that spot, you cannot take out Zach Wheeler unless, and I said it yesterday, if it's Andrew Miller, when they were the Indians, not the Guardians, go back 2015, 2016, whatever that was, 2015. When you go back to that, if, if you're in that spot, 2016, where he was unhittable, and I mean he was unhittable. Andrew Miller came over. He was the best player on the team. He was the best player in the postseason. They didn't win. They lost in the World Series. Rain, you know, had a lot to do with that, right? But the best reliever in that postseason, best reliever that year in the sport. You got Andrew Miller, and you're in yesterday's spot. You want to tell me that guy's going in instead of Wheeler? I'm okay with that. You can't do it for a dude who's in AAA a few months ago because he didn't know where the hell the pitch is going. You can't do it for a guy. Mind you, you put him in a tough spot. Bases loaded, nobody out just a few days before. But he gave up four or five runs. And you can't go show Alvarez the same guy four times in the last few days. What you're not Alvarez did on that pitch, I mean, it's otherworldly. But he is not a normal lefty. I don't want to hear, look, and I love John Small. I don't want to hear about they went into their bag of, you know, left on left. That's not left on left. Jornan Alvarez ain't your left on left dude. That's not what he is. He better in a lot of ways against lefties than he is against righties. You got to understand that and know that. I'm not saying Rob Thompson didn't, but even if you're doing a broadcast, I don't want to hear about left on, it's not left on left. Robbie Ray may not be a reliever, but I talked about this a lot the last couple of weeks. I don't think people understand when you haven't seen that guy at all in the game and he comes in there and you're hitting the home run Alvarez did off him in the spot he did off him. That's that dude won a Cy Young a year ago. That's crazy. You're not treating this guy the same way. And when Zach Wheeler gets a lean in hit by pitch from Maldonado and then a CNI single up the middle that barely made it out of the infield, you can't take that dude out. Now, you want to go have a guy ready? I get it. But in a lot of ways, Bregman has been tougher to get out, many of them, right? Tougher to get out, so is Kyle Tucker than Alvarez has been in this series anyway. So you cannot do that. you got to give Wheeler a chance. Wheeler gives up that home run, and you're saying to yourself, that's the dude who got me here. That's it. It's like saying, hey, Bryce Harper's up there with the game on the line tonight, and he strikes out. You can't get mad at anything. The best guy was up there. It just didn't happen. You, you never want to say we didn't lose with, with our best foot forward. It's the Kevin Cash kicking himself in 2020 with Blake Snell in game six. You can't do that. And by the way, very similarly, go back to that situation. Here's Nick Anderson, dominant reliever, been great, but he gave up runs in seven, seven, seven consecutive outings in a postseason. That was the seventh. 
Six damn times in a row, the guy you went to get in the bullpen when Snell had nine strikeouts and a hit allowed in five and a third, that guy you went in to go get had given up runs six consecutive outings in that postseason. That's your eyes not meeting where the analytics need to go away. Because there is a time and a place for everything, and that time and that place is to be judgment on what is in your eyes and what they're telling you now is in your gut about what you're seeing on that field. Rob Thompson had been uber aggressive. He did a fantastic job. Look, it is what it is, right? May not win that game anyway. Wheeler may give it up anyway. They could have lost game one. I said it before. If Dusty gives, you know, a lead to Abreu and company, and it's even 5-4 instead of 5-5 where Verlander gives it up, we're probably not even in a game six in this series. But the reason why I said before the series, and look, I'm the genius. I said, if you've been watching this show and listening to it on the podcast, I said, my gut said Phillies in six, but I took the Astros in six. Why? Because the depth of pitching just so dynamically different and so in the favor of the Astros. But you had a chance to have that depth not be an issue because you got Wheeler up in that spot because he had fatigue and he couldn't go in game five. Here he is in game six, and he's doing everything you need him to do. He pitching like you need him to pitch, and it's 70 pitches. To hell with that. You can't get him out of that game. Nobody giving you crap if you leave him in and he go gives up that three-run home run to Alvarez. Nobody. Yeah, I mean, people thinking, ah, well, should you have taken him out? But not the same amount of people that are sitting there saying, how the hell did you take him out beforehand, let alone after Alvarez hits it four million feet. And as Dusty said afterwards, hits it to the moon. It's a terrible decision. It's a bad spot by Rob Thompson. It's unfortunate because, I mean, he was so, so great and so aggressive and he had to be. And he didn't have the things to work with that Dusty did. He didn't have the things to work with Brian Snitker did. He didn't have the things to work with that Marmol did. I mean, he wasn't supposed to be better than any of these teams that Bo Mel did. And, I, and I, the way he had to manage was the way he had to manage. But you cannot be using Alvarado like he's – and I mentioned Andrew Miller just as an example because in my you know, 20 years covering the game, that's as dominant a postseason from a reliever as we've seen, in my opinion. And really from the time he was traded over there, going back in 2016 to the end of the season, he was filthy. Go, I remember being up there in Toronto and that Jays lineup, nobody could get, they could not touch him with those back foot sliders against those righties. They had no shot, but you're not in that spot and you're not in a left, left scenario with Jordan Alvarez. You can't do that. Terrible, terrible decision. Terrible. And their soul at that point ripped out. I mean, that was it. That was last Gav Spitty in city. You got Schwarber with the home run and then you give it up. That's it. That's why I think you're watching Schwarber bunt with two strikes. I think he got out of his – I mean, I, didn't, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't look this morning to see if they asked him, even after losing the series, about that after the game. Maybe they did. But I'm looking at it, and you know they ate your soul at that point. Yeah, that's Brandon Phil- – and I love BP. I remember talking to BP the day after. If you remember Halliday's no-hitter, they tried to – and I was on the air during that, and I branded on the next day, and he said, nobody was going to hit this guy. But Brandon Phillips was getting crushed because he tried to bunt in that ninth inning. I think it might have been with two outs to try and avoid the no-hitter in the postseason against Halliday because you got no shot. That's Kyle Schwarber telling you, just in a home run, he knew he couldn't hit that dude. And I said this over the last couple of days. I said it when we had Jody McDonald on a couple of days ago. You look at just what you saw in a postseason, and Brian Abreu looked like the best reliever on either of the two teams. That guy going to close somewhere, for sure, someday if not for the Astros, somewhere. I mean, that dude is as ridiculous stuff, the downward plane from the height in which he throws, that 88 piece down and in on those lefties, they can't hit. Then he's going up 97. I mean, forget it. You can't hit that. You can't hit that. Especially when he dotting, uh, Schwarber had no shot. You basically, you took my soul. 
So, look, it is what it is. The Phillies lost the game, but it, it does it does suck in some ways because, you know, as much as you're going to sit there, you know, Hoskins' defense and, you know, Castellanos, you know, again, even though some longer ABs and it's like you're back patting a guy who's terrible, even though he's better defensively, which somehow is, is weird in its own right. You know, all that being said, end of the day, the better team won. The better team won. And let's get to that. People don't want to give credit to the Astros, and I get that. Look, I'm not downplaying anything that happened. None. Go look what happened in the game where we think that Lance McCullers was tipping his pitches. Do you think it's not make a big deal when a team is doing, going and cheating and stealing signs and know what's coming? It's a big freaking deal. It's a big deal what they did to the game. It's a big deal what they did to the Yankees. Big deal what they did to the Dodgers. It's a big deal what they did. They know it. All right? But Jeremy Pena won an MVP now in an LCS and in a World Series. Didn't do it. Jordan Alvarez wasn't there. Didn't do it. Kyle Tucker wasn't there, didn't do it. Maldonado, the catcher, wasn't there as part, didn't do it. Vasquez, no. Most of the pitchers, Framber Valdez, the other year yesterday, was brilliant twice in the series, could easily win an MVP. No. Christian Javier, no. Brian Presley wasn't on the team. Brayu, not on the team. Montero, not on the team. Dusty Baker, not on the team. James Click, the GM, not on the team. You want to hate the Houston Astros emblem. You want to make it turn to garbage cans and change it up on MLB The Show. You want to yell at them. You could do anything you want. You want to get mad at Altuve and at Bregman and Gurriel. You can do that too. Or Springer and Correa, who aren't there anymore. You can do that as well. Or AJ Hinch or Alex Cora or Carlos Beltran. Or Jim Crane. And Jeff Luno, certainly. But you can't be doing that to this team and shouldn't take anything away from what they did. I don't want to hear they're a dynasty. I saw it. Look, and I respect, I think it was Richard Justice, who's been great for a long time, covering this. I don't want to hear, no dynasty. First of all, you can't just get there. you got to win a bunch. Now, if they had won the other three and won four times, and we're just saying, hey, outside of that cheating, look at all the other times they won, then that's a different story. They went and beat the Nationals in 2019, and then they beat the Braves in 2021, and then they went and beat the Phillies this year. You want to come be a dynasty? That's a dynasty. Don't tell me it's a dynasty. It's not. It's an amazing accomplishment. It is unbelievable in terms of consistent winning. It says a lot about the organization, churning in younger players, the likes of Tucker and Pena and McCormick and others as all this was happening, and the Abreus, bringing over Presley, Framber Valdez, all of that kind of stuff, all right? All of that great. But don't tell me it's a dynasty because this ain't no dynasty, all right? It's not. But give him a lot of credit. Got to give him a lot of credit. Want to talk about Dusty here for a couple of minutes because obviously anybody who you know knows my history with him and and I've talked about him for years and we've had you know him on the show. Obviously, this year is one of the first guests I had when I started doing this podcast. Um, I've been I've had the pleasure of being able to call Dusty a friend now for yeah, about ten years and interviewed him a bunch before that. And I knew like a lot of media folks do. And a lot of people around the game do just what a great person he was just from interactions and the way in which he would treat people. I mean, it's just a different way. I've told this story before, but I know Dodger fans get on him all the time. But Dave Roberts, an unbelievable dude, is another example. I, when I covered the Red Sox in 2004, I remember I was you know, basically crapping in my pants. I looked like I was 12 at the time, I'm sitting there in my mid-20s. And my first job, and I'm there every day covering that team down the stretch, which I was, you know, blessing in itself, thankfully, knock on wood, to be there for that. But I'll never forget the first time that I sat there and, and Dave Roberts, you know, got up off the chair, you, you know, you shook the hand, the hand of my cameraman, 
and myself introduced himself, got our names, and he ended up being a regular on my show weekly for eight years when I was at XM and never forgot my name after that and treated me the same way as he would treat anybody else. And I didn't know what the hell I was doing at the time. I <clears throat> still don't. But there are just certain people that you could tell as a media member that way. Being able to be, you know, to know Dusty and spend as much time with him as I, I did over a two-year span and getting to know him you you couldn't find a more sincere. We are in a world of, you know, look, family show. We're in a world of shitty people. OK, we are. All right. I've been, you know, my life been touched by him and so have yours. All right. And sometimes you just see it across the way. You see all this nonsense on social media and all the hate and people getting on each other, burning out other people's candles to make theirs burn brighter. Everybody getting on each other for who they are and how they are. And I don't I didn't grow up that way. I don't learn that way. I don't live life that way. That is a bad way. All right. But we all know people like that. Unanswered questions with people that you meet that you're, you get to know or even love at times. You're never going to understand what what happened to them. And then you realize what happened was you just got hoodwinked and they're just not good people. Right. At some point, you got to come to that realization with people in life. Dusty Baker, the antithesis of that. This is as good a human being as you literally will ever come across. I could not be happier for him and more thrilled for him and his family. It, you know, look, he would have. You know, here's a guy who's hung out with Jimi Hendrix, right? So, like, the amount of stories he could tell, and he's a lover of music and people, and, you know, he's a guy who would have lived life with, with zest and with, you know, a, a different vibe that, that look, me, that myself, I, I can't understand how with some of the trials and tribulations he's had, just how, how positive of an energy he brings every day in his life. He's going to do that anyway if he didn't win this World Series, but good for him. He deserves it. I'm so happy for him. Did he make every right decision along the way in his career as a manager? No. Did they ever do that? No. But you know what? Beyond the X's and O's, that guy did. That guy got trust and, and want and desire and run through a wall from his players. That guy had his players wanted to go out there and do whatever they could for him. That guy, in a situation where nobody respected the Astros, was the perfect buffer in that spot because there's nobody who doesn't respect this dude. And he enabled it to be a situation where even if people were like, ah, you know, the Astros, I can't stand that crap. And, you know, they're cheaters and I hate the player or whatever. Nobody, nobody upset Dusty winning. And congrats to him. I'm so happy. I texted him. I'm so proud of, of, of his accomplishments, getting back in the game, both with the Nationals, then stick to itiveness to get back into it again um, and do it here. And I'm so happy for him at 73 years old, what he's accomplished to you know, have you know, four decades between when you win it as a player, and you know, and you know, now getting a chance to do it as a manager finally after all those games, could be in the Hall of Fame someday. Deserved to be there anyway, in my opinion. Without this, but he now got that stamp, put that down on Dusty's career. So, congrats to him. As far as the Phillies are concerned, you got nothing to be upset about. If you're a Philadelphia Philly fan, you should be proud of this team. It's hard. I know what those moments are like as a diehard fan where you sit there and, and you, you know, you're not expecting it. Look, you know, and I'll be talking a lot about hockey here during the baseball offseason on Unfiltered. I know this is an Islander fan. I kind of feel like I, I understand to a little bit of a different level, but I understand what the Philly fan is, is feeling. Now, I had a chance, you know, and I've talked about it, and it was emotional for me. One of the pods that I've done, I went through, you know, some of the moments for me as a fan and got emotional talking about just how important, especially during what I was going through in my life and during COVID, what the Islanders gave me for back-to-back -back years with conference final appearances in a game seven, you know, getting a chance to, you know, 
live with that and, and vicariously through all of that. And it was such a surprise. And I know it's not as big of a stage as baseball and I get all those sorts of things. And I wasn't able to be there in the, in the arena, you know, once uh, because of you know COVID and there were cardboard cutouts and the next time, cause I couldn't get there physically to do it. But it, it just, it meant so much to me as a fan. And those were, especially the second one, just such special runs for me. And I think Philly fans will start to feel that way the longer this blows over because it's it's difficult now and it hurts and you're thinking, woulda, shoulda, coulda. But if you look at this team, it, it's really, I mean, be proud of how they got there. You know, you, you had spots, you had Hoskins and Real Muto not hitting. You know, how am I going to get from Schorber to Harper? Those two guys got to have a blast. Where's the bloop coming from? Can't get anything, Castellanos, boom. Way better defensively, should be proud of him and got some big hits. You know, Stott had some good ABs, not able to get any knocks. Weren't getting anything out of center field offensively either way. Segura, a couple of hits, but not much. Everybody said you couldn't play defense. Everybody said you didn't know how to run the bases. You changed your manager in the middle of the year. So many things. The bullpen that had been such a disgrace for four years becomes such a positive for you. Kudos to and congrats to Dave Dabrowski and Rob Thompson on just amazing years. And to that team and to the fans who showed out. I'd be the first one to say it. I said it, but I'll say it again. Now, I'm a New York guy. Look, when I covered you know, the games at Citizens Bank in 2008, 2009, I was there for almost all of them in both of those runs. That was the best atmosphere during those years. And in watching it here from where I sit now, you know, on you know the couch with everybody else watching it, it looked like by far the best atmosphere. That includes you know New York or any other, in either of the, the spots, whether it's Yankees or Mets, doesn't matter. That was the best scene we had. Philadelphia should be proud of themselves. They should be proud of the people who went to the ballpark, should be proud of the atmosphere that you brought to that team, proud of the relationship that you created with that team. And, uh, you know, look, um, I'm no Phillies apologist from where my background is. There's an 86 Mets thing up here somewhere as I figure out how to point. But, uh, you know, look, as a, as a baseball supporter, I'm proud of you too. I mean, you should be. It, what, what a great scene that was in Philadelphia. So kudos to everybody there. You know, I could tell you in, you know, doing these on site for 16 years, and especially when I was doing, for those who, you know, followed and listened when I was doing the show at Sirius XM, doing all those locker room shows for hours, and we would end every show, and I'm sure they did yesterday, my old uh, friends and teammates at MLB Network Radio, I'm sure they did. We, we ended the show every time going back out on the field. And I used to go to the mound and do, like, the last segment. And it was always such a weird thing because as quick as things turn the tide in a postseason from one moment to another, that's how quick we turn from the season to another. Because it's not even after the game. You got people tweeting out free agent lists, and we're going to have a bunch of shows here leading up to winter meetings that we'll have on Unfiltered, where I'm going to break down and give you the uh, boom or bust and bang for your buck picks in all the different categories. We're going to discuss options. I'm going to have beat guys from all 30 teams that are going to join the show as we really dig deep into winter meetings. So I think you're going to like that. And I'm going to start doing which I, I cover a bunch of basketball and doing some hockey too, but we're going to have a lot of dig down and get deep in a free agency here on this show and give you a place to kind of cover all that. But it's amazing how quick that that's that flip of that switch is. It really is because now, you know, where's Jacob DeGrom going to go? What's going to happen to Aaron judge? What about the shortstop carousel where I am in Atlanta? They keep Dansby Swanson. Is he on the move? Is Trey Turner really want to go back East where it seems like it is a possibility. Certainly. And where, and then speaking of back east, what about Bogarts and what happens with him? You got so many shortstops who are kind of up for grabs that are dynamic players and talents and all-stars and MVP candidates. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I think the trade wins will blow big time. I think there'll be a lot of big-time trades. 
all that stuff going to start down here in the next few days. You get that five-day span where teams get to kind of negotiate and figure out if they can keep their own players, and you got some big ones. I mean, look, if you're a Met fan, you you can you know, look at it however you look at it. I'll tell you how I look at it. Edwin Diaz is a must-have. Have to. Whatever you got to pay him, $100 million contract for a closer, whatever it is, Edwin Diaz got to be there. Brandon, Brandon Nimmo is a really want-to, and Jacob deGrom is a really want-to because you have the money to answer those questions in different ways. Uh, Diaz a must. If you're the Yankee fan, Aaron Judge a must. You know, Gary Sheffield said it a few days ago on this show, and he's right. You know, and he was talking about, which is, by the way, the irony. You know, he was breaking down what he told Robinson Cano during his, you know, free agency. You know, look, you know, Aaron Judge, the Yankee fans should have never booed him. It's ridiculous. Yeah, as a Met guy with, as everybody knows, you know, Yankee fans in my whole family. Yeah, I'd he's not going to go to the Mets. But if he goes to the Giants, which I think is the other team that you really need to worry about if you're a Yankee fan, I'd laugh. You know, the fact that, you know, the last chance that they had to really kind of accept all the greatness he gave you and all those unbelievable moments and what a season he had and all the history was you booed the guy. That's how you're going to remember him and he's going to remember you, you're idiots. But that's not why you, you don't cut your nose off to spite your face if you're Aaron Judge. As long as the Yankees give you a dollar more or even money than anywhere else, you take what it comes with being the face of the Yankees and being able to say that in this sport and in sports and that brand, and you do that. And you've carried that torch so wonderfully for this sport and for that city and for that team and that franchise and a logo that really, look, Montreal Canadiens, Dallas Cowboys, Lakers, Celtics, Yankees, and that's it. No Red Sox, no Cardinals, no Cubs, no whatever team you're going to get mad at me for in any other sport, sorry. That's it. Cowboys, Canadians, Lakers, Celtics, Yankees, everybody else in a different category. And when you're doing that and you get to be that guy, you got to stick with that. So, but we'll see. We're going to find out. We'll have a bunch of shows breaking down. I'm going to do position by position. I will have beat guys for all 30 teams on this show. I may do it by division to kind of split it up for you. So keep up with me and I'll kind of keep you posted on Twitter. Also going to be doing daily basketball shows coming up next week. I'm going to be doing some hockey. So I'm going to keep grinding. The baseball season is behind us. Congrats to the Houston Astros. They deserve it. I know you don't like them, a lot of you. I get it. But you know what? Give the credit where it's due to the Dusties and the Peñas, and the Valdez, and so many others who are not there, including the GM and, and Jim Click, and including the guy at the back end and Ryan Presley. Kudos to everything the Phillies were able to accomplish, and especially that city and that fan base. There's a hell of a lot of credit. I, for one, hope people stop bugging you about Santa Claus and all that other kind of nonsense and throwing batteries because you got to be really, really proud of yourselves for the way you handled it. And I'm proud that we're able to put together, geez, 121 episodes deep, started this thing a little bit into the season, trying to kind of re-rack and, and, you know, rebuild, you know, my kind of stamp on, on what I love to do for a living. Um, you know, I'm proud of what we've accomplished. I'm going to keep grinding. I always do that in life, and I'll do that in sport too, and I hope you do the same. And be grateful. Be empathetic. Be kind. You know what? we got so much bitterness in this world, people. You know what? Let somebody else handle it. There are so many times that we have all wasted, and I certainly know as much as anybody, I promise you. We've all wasted so much time being sad about people not being as kind as they should have been. The only thing we can do is show them the way that it needs to be done. Let's keep doing that. Thank you for being with me. 122 coming up soon. 2022 in the books. And as always, we're presented by our good friends at Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.